massive explosion in Arlington. Not so far away from the White House, actually. We'll tell you about that. Are they trying to get Trump killed? Separate story. And the 14th Amendment? Out the window. It's gone. Tell you about that coming up. And more. All that tonight, today, this morning, this afternoon, whatever time zone you may be watching this in. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. <sighs> Man, is it Tuesday? Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? I'm losing track. It's Tuesday. <laughs> Seriously. Ah! It's been one of those days, okay? All day it's been like that, and all night. All right, we got lots going on. We're going to tell you all about it. We will continue on with our book tonight with Treasure Island. We are reading that, so that'll be exciting. And we want to tell you about something else that's exciting. That's one of our great sponsors. They're known as Blackout Coffee. Blackout Coffee, folks, dump that ridiculous liberal crap coffee you've been drinking and get yourself some real coffee. Fresh Roasted makes all the difference. Be awake, not woke. Get yourself coffee with some values. Blackout Coffee, they are committed to America, to this country. Our conservative values, honesty, integrity. Blackout Coffee, I personally recommend it. I drink four or five cups at least a day. And this coffee company is 100% committed to two things. Conservative values, which is important, but you got to back that up with a good product. They have exactly that. Sourcing the beans to local co-ops and American farmers that they work with to the roasting process, customer support, shipping, Blackout Coffee has an amazing work ethic, and they are dedicated to you and to the country. Zero compromise on taste and quality. Do me a favor, check out Blackout Coffee. Use the link down there in our show notes, and we get a special discount code for you too. We'll tell you about that coming up in a minute. The small batch roasting means when you order, 24 to 48 hours later, they roast your beans. And then a few days after they ship it to get to your door, you got the best fresh roasted coffee ready to grind up into an amazing cup. Always full flavored, strong, never bitter. Blackout coffee. Ditch the other guys. They remain true to our values. Hard work, family, honesty, integrity. Seriously, this company, they support our troops, our first responders. They've got all kinds of teas and hot coffee or hot cocoa flavors over there also if you're if you're not into coffee although i can't think of a reason you wouldn't be and uh check them out blackout coffee use the link in our show notes and at checkout use the code j20 jay20 is our promo code that will get you 20 percent off your first order J20, J-A-Y-20 at checkout, 20% off your first order from Blackout Coffee. Thank you, Blackout Coffee. You guys are absolutely the best. All right. You probably have seen the footage, maybe not, but it happened earlier, late yesterday. It's frightening. And now I see... The guy who actually owned the house was posting the video on YouTube and in the chat making comments. I, I don't know. 
Anyway, local police report minor injuries. Officers were attempting to execute a search warrant at this residence. Suspect discharged several rounds inside the house, and subsequently an explosion occurred at the residence. Officers continue to investigate the source of the explosion. Take a look. If you haven't seen it, this is incredible. Whoa. That is one hell of an explosion. Car alarms going off. Absolutely leveled the place. I don't know how anybody survived that, but wow. That's frightening. Again, they're still investigating. I don't have a lot of details, uh, but yeah, wow, man. Okay, the Washington Post came out with an opinion piece. You know, they're starting. They're starting. They can't use Joe Biden's presidency to convince you that he should be reelected. Obviously, because his presidency, his presidency has been completely for shit. So the next tactic, of course, that they will use is going 110% full boat in after Trump. You, if you can't use your own history to say how wonderful you were, go after the other guy. Opinion from the Washington Post. Drew Goins, a Trump dictatorship could happen. Start fighting it now. These people. Eight years ago, late 2015, relatively few people were seriously considering Donald Trump could ever become president. Well, now the question looms, could he become America's dictator? These people are so screwed. Robert Kagan writes, it's time for the country to confront this increasingly likely possibility. Rather, he says, it's past time. Like people on a riverboat, he writes, we've long known there is a waterfall ahead, but assume somehow we'll find our way to shore before we get over the edge. Now, the actions required to get us to shore are looking harder and harder, if not downright impossible. His essay, his writing, looks at the dangerous speeding waters ahead. Trump sewing up the 2024 GOP nomination, of course. Jen Rubin sees one last shot on the table in the form of Nikki Haley. Oh, please. Chris Christie, of course, <clears throat> never had a snowball's chance in hell anyway. But Kagan says it's likely a done deal on the GOP side. Once Trump is the nominee, it will be even more perilous for Republicans to oppose him. We don't want to oppose him. We want him where he should be right now and should have been in 2020 if the election hadn't been stolen from him. Don't expect the various trials proceeding against Trump to do anything but demonstrate how impotent 
a check the judicial system in is on someone like him. Keegan writes, nor should you place much hope in the bureaucracy, Supreme Court, or military. He compellingly takes stock of the many barriers to Trump's ascension that have now evanesced. This article just gets worse and worse. He closes with this metaphor. Listen to this. What an idiot. If an asteroid were hurling towards Earth, would we not try everything we could to stop it? Even if those things required sacrifice? Hmm. Even if they might not work? He says, the asteroid is coming and neither appeasement nor optimism will blunt its impact. Time to start trying something else. Something else? I'm telling you, these people are dangerous. How dangerous? How would you like the United States Army filled with Chinese nationals? Mm. Give them guns, teach them how to kill people. Or Middle Eastern possible terrorists. You remember we talked about Dick Durbin? And this idiot senator, how he blocked the release of the Epstein flight logs. Hmm, wonder why, Dick. Guess what now he's gotten behind? Senator Dick Durbin wants to turn illegal aliens into soldiers. Hmm, not kidding. Listen to this moron. What troubles me about the debate now about the southern border is that it is one half of the immigration equation. Yes, we need order at the border. Yes, we need to have changes in the laws that reflect the reality of the overwhelming numbers from all over the world who are coming to our, our shores and our border. But there is also an incredible demand for legal immigration into this country even now. Presiding officer, my colleague from the state of Illinois, has legislation which addresses one aspect of that. Her bill, and I hope I describe it accurately, says that if you are an undocumented person in this country and you can pass the physical and the required test, background test, the like, you can serve in our military, and if you do it honorably, we will make you citizens of the United States. <laughs> do we need that? Do you know what the recruiting numbers are at the Army and the Navy and the Air Force? They can't reach their quotas each month. They can't find enough people to join our military forces. Well, maybe if you stop trying to do this whole equity bullshit, people would want to join the military. Right now, I can't say as I blame them for not wanting to be a part of this crap we have we laughingly call our military which the Biden regime has completely cut the balls off of. And this idiot is supporting 
letting illegal aliens join the military and if they serve with distinction, giving them citizenship. Let's see, that would come with uh, voting rights. Ah, so, hmm. makes sense now? Who elected this idiot? Communists inside our government are not destroying the military. They're eating it apart from the inside. Same goes for the FBI, the DOJ, every other three-letter agency out there. But this, this is insane. Are you kidding me with this? You've seen the footage. You've seen the sort of people who are coming across our border illegally. Millions of people who are here illegally, undocumented. A lot of Chinese nationals. Yeah, that's just let them join up. Give them some guns. Teach them to shoot. I would almost say there's no hope left. But this story popped, which gives me a little tiny bit of hope. The Second Circuit Court of Appeals grants a bond pending appeal in the Douglas Mackey Mame case. You remember this case? He put a Mame out. They charged him with election interference. Second Circuit Court of Appeals just overruled the district court in granting our motion for bond pending appeal. The ruling is huge because it means that the appeals court decided my appeal presents substantial and debatable issues of law that if resolved in my favor will result in my conviction being vacated. This actual ex post <clears throat> is from Douglas Mackey himself, the man who was charged. Very encouraging step, he writes, towards vindication. <clears throat> There's an actual copy of the court order. If you want to take the time to read it, the link to this post is in our show notes. He says, I want to extend my gratitude and thanks to all the benefactors, supporters, great attorneys who have worked on my case. By the way, there is a couple of links in his post where you can support him financially if you are so inclined. The uh, MAME Defense Fund is there and the Gives and Go account also. So you can help out in that way if you are able. Unbelievable. But some good news, definitely some good news. And we get so little good news these days We'll take what we can. Man, frightening. Do you remember, or let me start this way. Do you know what a put option is? A put option is a way to make a whole lot of money if you get it right. If you get it wrong, not so much. Do you remember during 9-11, it was reported that a whole lot of people that apparently had inside knowledge 
We're taking out put options on American Airlines. The other airline that was involved, I forget which one it is now. Days before September 11th, they bought these put options. When September 11th happened and those airlines stock crashed, pun not intended, those people who bought those put options made a fortune. Almost as if they knew something were going to happen. Hmm. My headphone just came out. <laughs> okay. All right. You got that? You've heard the story? If you haven't, now you have the mini Little Reader's Digest version. There's more. Get this. Days before the October 7th incident, the Hamas attack on Israel, stock traders magically began anticipating, apparently, events to come. Charlie Kirk put this post up on X. The link is in our show notes. I strongly advise you to read it and share it. Law professors Robert Jackson from NYU and Joshua Mitz of Columbia reveals a massive short-selling leading up to the attacks. Apparently, my headphones just don't want to stay in place tonight. The short-selling before October 7th was so extreme, it exceeded the short-selling that occurred during the numerous other periods of crisis, including the Great Recession of 2008, 2014 Israel-Gaza War, and the COVID pandemic combined. Their findings suggest that traders informed about the upcoming Hamas attacks profited from these tragic events. In the days before the attack, bets against Israel's security traded on the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange increased dramatically, according to this paper. The researchers found between September 14th and October 5th, there were 4.4 million new shares sold short in Bank Leumi, one of Israel's largest banks. Leumi's share prices tumbled 23% between October 4th and October 23rd. What's going on here? What exactly the hell? How did these people know something was going to happen in the very near future? And then it did, and they cleaned up financially on the death of all those people? They knew, they knew. And what did they do? Did they do anything to stop it? No, they did everything they could, these bastards, to make money off of it. This is the worst sort of human beings on the planet. This is beyond evil.
from the Don't Screw With Our Kids Department. The 14th Amendment is dead. It's done. It's buried. Stick a fork in it. It's done. As a matter of fact, I put a link to cornell.edu, which actually has the 14th Amendment, which addresses a lot of aspects of citizenship, rights of citizens, equal protection of the laws, figured in Brown versus Board of Education, Roe v. Wade, Bush v. Gore, Reed v. Reed, all persons, section one, not going to read the whole thing, it's a very long amendment, but just so you get the flavor, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the U.S. and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person, any person, of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the law. That is section one of the 14th Amendment. Now, notice what you didn't hear me say. The melanin content of somebody's skin, whether you're black or brown or white, not mentioned in there at all. Well, guess what? Apparently, the 14th Amendment just doesn't apply anymore. This is disgusting. From Portland, figures. Portland public schools must now consider race and gender identity when disciplining students. The teachers union came up with a new collective bargaining agreement, which centers on the district's disciplinary procedures on racial equity and social justice. It requires, listen, it requires school officials to consider a disruptive student's race, gender identity, and sexual orientation when creating the student's disciplinary plan. When a student exhibits continuous disruptive behavior, the agreement says school officials have to develop a support plan, which can include measures like detention, but they must take into account the impact of issues related to the student's trauma, race, gender, presentation, sexual orientation, and restorative justice. In other words, if you are black, brown, Asian, 
then each one of those categories would get some different sort of disciplinary action if you cause trouble. If you are white, whole new category. We've got punishments designed specifically for white folk and black folk and brown folk. Folks, we have a 14th Amendment and this flies smack in the face of it. This is as unconstitutional as it gets. I know it's some little shit-ass school in Portland, but it only takes one. This will grow like a cancer. Trust me on this. This actually is a part of the agreement this idiot teachers union came up with the school district. Considering race, gender identity, and sexual orientation when deciding what punishment to deal out to our kids. What's the number one rule on the Jay Sheldon Show? Leave our kids alone. <laughs> woke, woke, woke. Ain't that fun. Comics, I know. What a switch. Not really, because Ian Miles Chong, love this guy. He's such a rabble rouser. Love you, Ian. He's a great follow over on X. He says, you might be inclined to make fun of the comic book guy, but he's completely right. He understands the economics of the comic business. The reason Japanese manga is completely outselling the American stuff, which now makes up less than 9% of the total sales, pathetic, is because American comics are woke trash, written by insane people who push their ideology into the work. And the market could not give a rat's ass less about your woke ideology. This is how you ruin an industry. I'm not going to play this. Well, maybe I will. It's not too long. Take a listen to what this comic guy says, and man, is he right. Most of these new writers don't have the love of comics like these older writers had. Um, and all they care about is, how can I put myself in the book? No, we don't care what you would do if you were Iron Man. We don't care who you are. You're writing Tony Stark. You're not writing yourself in a book. If that's the case, write your own comic with you in it. No one will read it because nobody cares. People people grew yes. up, uh, uh, growing up <laughs> loving Peter Parker, loving Miles Morales, loving all these Captain America. We don't need you to put your input in it. Just write Steve Rogers. Don't write Steve Rogers. What would Steve Rogers be if I was Steve Rogers? That's not how it works. But that's, again, how most of, the, most of these new people write nowadays. That's why most of the stuff is shit. Because we don't care how you would, what you would do, because we don't care about your life whatsoever. Just write a book, get paid for what you do, get paid for what you're supposed to be doing, and make it a, a good story. Boom. There you go. Exactly. Nobody gives a crap about your woke ideology. You want a Peter Par Car Parker story? Give me a Peter Parker story and keep your crap out of it. And that's why U.S. comics, 9%, folks, 9% of the market <clears throat> is from U.S. comics. 
The Japanese manga, obviously, huge. Just keep on keeping on. You're going to knock yourself right into bankruptcy. And you know what? I'll be right there laughing at your bankruptcy hearing in your face because that is exactly what you deserve. Nobody wants your crap, just like the guy said. Nobody wants to read your life story. You are nobody. They just don't get it. Tear it up. Take the comic book. Rip it. Make some babies laugh. <laughs> I had to share this because it's just that funny. You've probably seen videos like this before. But there's an explanation for why. I tell you what, let me let me play the video first. And you, you'll you'll have seen this before, but it's it just it cracks me up every time I watch it. nothing like a baby's laugh anyway why do they do that there really is a reason not to take the joy out of it because it's just joyful to sit there and watch that little baby have a laugh but the reason apparently is pretty straightforward even as adults much of the enjoyment we find in humor is uh, from the unexpected we set up the story, we get to, for the punchline, and suddenly it flips and the punchline becomes funny. Great comedians take their time to take us someplace and then hit us from the unexpected with their punchlines. That's how humor and comedy works. Because they have developing language skills, babies are more prone to visual comedy. Same holds true. They're surprised and delighted when something unexpected happens. They see a paper, it makes noise, and then when suddenly you go and rip it, unexpected, which makes them laugh. It's a surprise. And of course, that very distinctive ripping noise doesn't hurt. And that's basically the recipe for instant baby comedy. You can give it a try. Uh, it says here, I had trouble selecting a favorite video to illustrate this, so I'm sharing two. There are two, actually. This giggly little one uh, I shared to TT by Dr. Charlie on TT. And uh, you can check the first reply for another great example. But that is in our show notes tonight. And that's basically why babies almost 100% of the time will always laugh when you rip paper. I, I just got to hear that baby laugh again because it's just, it, after all the crap on the show tonight, we need this. <laughs> okay, 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 enough. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> We needed that, right? <laughs> Man. 
All right. Hey, by the way, wanted to say thank you to uh, who is uh, who is this guy? Ned Stetzel for the follow. We really appreciate that. Our latest follower over here on Rumble. Please, if you wouldn't mind, just sign up for a free Rumble account if you don't have one already and hit that follow button down there. It says follow. It's in green. Very easy to uh, help out the show. It costs you nothing. Absolutely free. And it really does. And thank you, Ned Stetzel, for uh, jumping on and following the show. We appreciate that click. Thank you. Always like to give hat tips and shout outs to folks who uh, who come on board here. All right. As you may or may not know, especially if you're a first time viewer, we read books on this show. I know, but we spend the first half hour or so talking about news, trending news, issues of the day, making a few comments. And the last part, last 15, 20 minutes, we read books. We take them from the beginning all the way through to the end, and then we begin our next one. We've done classic children's literature, The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, The Jungle Book, The Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland. We even read my children's book, William the Warthog. So anyway, right now we are doing the unbelievable, fantastic Treasure Island. <clears throat> Man, what a book. What an amazing piece of literature, first published in 1883. So, without further ado, what is ado, by the way? I don't know. Okay. They found the treasure map. They got a boat, and they are just about ready to set sail. Here we go. You can fancy the excitement into which that letter put me. I was half beside myself with glee, and if ever I despised a man, it was old Tom Redruth, who could do nothing but grumble and lament. Any of the under-gamekeepers would glad gladly have changed places with him, but such was not the squire's pleasure, and the squire's pleasure was like law among them all. Nobody but old Redruth would have dared so much as even to grumble. Well, the next morning, he and I set out on foot for the Admiral Benbow, and there I found my mother in good health and spirits. The captain, who'd long been a cause of so much discomfort, was gone where the wicked ceased from troubling. The squire had everything repaired, and the public rooms and the sign repainted, added some furniture, above all a beautiful armchair for mother in the bar. He'd found her a boy as an apprentice also, so that she should no, not want for help while I was gone. It was on seeing that boy that I understood, for the first time, my situation. I'd thought up to that moment of the adventures before me, not at all of the home I was leaving. And now, at the sight of this clumsy stranger, who was to stay here in my place, beside my mother. I had my first attack of tears. I'm afraid I led that boy a dog's life, for as he was new to the work, I had a hundred opportunities of setting him right and putting him down, and I was not slow to profit by them. The night passed. The next day after dinner, Red Ruth and I were afoot again and on the road. I said goodbye to mother and the cove where I'd lived since I was born, and the dear old Admiral Benbow, since he was repainted, 
no longer quite so dear. One of my last thoughts was of the captain, who had so often strode along the beach with his cocked hat, his saber-cut cheek, and his old brass telescope. And the next moment we'd turned the corner, and my home was out of sight. The mail picked us up about dusk at the Royal George on the heath. I was wedged in between Red Ruth and a stout old gentleman, and in spite of the swift motion and the cold night air, I must have dozed a great deal from the very first, and then slept like a log uphill and down dale, through stage after stage, for when I awakened at last, it was by a punch in the ribs. I opened my eyes to find that we were standing still before a large building on a city street and that the day had already broken a long time. Where are we? I asked. Bristol, said Tom. Get down. Mr. Trelawney had taken up his residence at an inn far down the docks to superintend the work upon the schooner. Tither we now had to walk, and, on, and our way, to my great delight, lay along the quays, and beside the great multitude of ships of all sizes and rigs and nations, in one sailors were singing at their work. In another there were men aloft, high over my head, hanging to threads that seemed no thicker than a spider's. Though I'd lived by the shore all my life, I seemed never to have been near the sea until then. The smell of tar and salt was something new. I saw the most wonderful figureheads that had all been far over the ocean. I saw, besides many old sailors with rings in their ears and whiskers curled in ringlets and terry pigtails and their swaggering, clumsy sea walk, and if I had seen as many kings or archbishops, I could not have been more delighted. I was going to see myself, to see in a schooner with a piping boatswain <coughs> and a pigtailed singing seaman, to see bound for an unknown island and to seek for buried treasure. While I was still in this delightful dream, we came suddenly in front of a large inn and met Squire Tolani, all dressed out like a sea officer in stout blue cloth, coming out of the door with a smile on his face and a capital imitation of a sailor's walk. Here you are, he cried, and the doctor came last night from London. Bravo, the ship company is complete. Oh, sir, cried I, when do we sail? Sail, he said. We sail tomorrow. That's the end of chapter 7. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we will begin chapter 8. It's called At the Sign of the Spyglass. They are about to head out to sea. Ho, ho. In search of Treasure Island. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much. Don't forget, please, just to pop on that follow button. Visit some of our great sponsors, NordVPN, Skillshare, and, of course, <clears throat> Blackout Coffee. Pick yourself up a bag or two for yourself as 
Christmas gift or give it out as friends for Christmas gifts. Fantastic idea for a gift. They even have a few holiday flavored coffees over there too you can check out. All right, we will see you all again. What do you say about tomorrow? Have a good one. Snort. <laughs>